I want to start with a story, a story of a boy, uh, his mom and his sister, who decided, let's just call this boy Billy, and uh, let's just say that they lived near a, um, a ski slope, and they decided that they were going to go skiing on a Thursday afternoon. And so they go, and when, uh, whether the dad was at work or he wasn't in the picture, it's kind of unknown, but this, this kid, Billy, he is going down the ski slope, and, and it's embarrassing to him because his little sister is definitely getting the hang of it, and, and he's not. Um, and his, his mom, you know, is able to ski, and, and this is something that he's really struggling with, and it's very clear that he's struggling at it. And so they get to a point, and they're just only on the bunny hill at this point, and uh, Billy gets stuck right in the center. And, you know, his sister skis alongside him and stops. The mom's there, and she's saying, Billy, like, get out of the center. Like, and she's calling him, and he's saying, you know, I, he just is just frozen, and he's stuck, and he has all of his excuses, and he's just kind of going on and on. And he's waiting there, and the mom is just pleading with him, like, please move, please move. And without further ado, there was another snowboarder that was coming that just did not see Billy standing there. Again, everyone's kind of hustling, bustling, and he tries to stop. He slides and smashes into Billy, knocking Billy down the hill, probably like 15 to 20 feet. Knocks his kid down, and he just rolled, and his skis fall off. He's crying. You might be like, Andrew, how do you know so much about this kid, Billy? Because I was that snowboarder that just could not stop. And so I go running down, smash right in this kid. I hit him so hard. Because like snowboarding, you stop sideways, right? Well, the whole side of the board, boom! It was like something you saw in a movie. It was kind of funny, but it was terrifying. So I take my boots off. I go running up there, and I go, are you okay? Kid wanted nothing to do with me. He starts, he's like nine, swearing at his mom. Like, it was bad. And I feel so responsible. And, uh, you know, so eventually he just like, you know, I, I, I realized, sorry, mom, and just put the snowboard on. And I'm always going to remember this, though. Billy picks up his skis. He goes, I'm done, mom. I'm done. And he walks to the edge, limping. <laughs> and he goes all the way to the end. And I, it's something you would have saw, like, in the, in the Christmas story, you know, when he's all, like, bundled up. And he's holding his skis, and he's just whimpering, hoo, hoo, just, just walking down. And I'm snowboarding down. And you know that. Thanksgiving's coming up, and you know his family's sitting around the table, and they're big skiers, and they're going to be like, oh, oh, Billy doesn't, and Billy's going to say, once upon a time, this man, a few years ago, bashed into me, and it's over. I gave up, and so that kid definitely gave up on skiing that day, I am sure. That is the legacy I left in that poor kid's life, uh, maybe even a mark on him. I'm sorry, Billy. If you're listening to this, I'm sorry. Um, but another time, I had a friend who was, he lived on our block. Um, we would talk all the time, and he notified me, Andrew, I'm moving. I'm moving to Florida. I said, wow, okay. And so as the date came and approached, he came up to me and said, Andrew, uh, I just want to talk to you. I was like, yeah, sure. He goes, dude, you changed my life. And I was like, whoa, like, this, is, this is heavy. Like little old me, like I changed your life. Like this is amazing. You know, and I begin to think, well, well, you know, maybe it was all the times where he's like, oh, I have to go to church, and, you know, I, he knew that I, I had faith, and, and I'm thinking about that. Maybe the times that he was maybe going through something, I was there for him. And then he begins to elaborate. And he said, Andrew, if it wasn't for you, man, I wouldn't know what Converse sneakers are. 
And like, it was, a, it was like, I don't know, six years ago. And I, in my head, I'm like, oh, cool, bro. And he's just listing all of these things that have nothing to do with like anything important. And I'm having the like, internal crisis. I'm like, shoes? Like, like that's what I'm going to be known for? Like, when I die on my gravestone, it's going to be like, Andrew Muller. He showed us what shoes to buy. Like, is that, is that what, like, this is, like, what's flowing through my mind. I'm like, this is the mark I'm leaving on this guy. And he moved, and that was it. So, but in that moment, I remember it kind of shook me in some ways. And I remember thinking, like, man, like, like yes, I, I probably left an impact on him. But, but it got me thinking, what type of impact do I want to be thinking about that I'm leaving to people? And at the end of the day, this is true of you too, right? Because at the end of the day, what are we going to be known for? When your name comes up, will people like, just smile like, man, I love that person. Man, they're always there for me. Will it bring joy? Or, or tonight, when your name comes up, will it bring, will it bring pain? And see, tonight, we will all leave behind a legacy. The definition I want to focus on will be up on the screen of legacy is this. Anything handed down from the past as from an ancestor or a predecessor. So basically, your mark, my mark on this world is the legacy that we'll be talking about here tonight. And man, this is an emotional kind of message for me. Uh, Friday night, I, I spoke this at the green room, but this is, I'm giving you the adult version tonight, so get ready. Uh, but that was my last time speaking on this stage, and, and tonight is the last time that I will speak on this physical stage uh, here at this church until because we're moving. And so, you know, I just was just thinking like, wow, it's my last time. There's some pressure in that. I'm like, God, what do you want me to speak about? And I guess the idea of legacy just kept, kept kind of coming to me. Because isn't it true that when we close a chapter and, when, and another one's beginning, we kind of just stop in those moments sometimes. We look back. We look at everything that has happened to bring us to this point. And I just felt like God was just kind of encouraging me to, hey, let's stop and let's hit pause and let's reflect. And it's, let's even look at ourselves here tonight. And maybe you're saying to yourself, all right, well, why are we talking about this now? Because a legacy sounds like a really big thing. Maybe tonight you're like, man, I'm just too young. Like, like I'm like, some of you are just like in high school. Like, some of you are, are just fresh into college. You're like, I'm just still trying to get my life together, let alone leave a legacy. Or maybe some of you here tonight are like, man, I'm too old. Like, I've, I've, done, I've done a lot of things. Life has happened. Or, or maybe you're young, but you feel like you've done enough wrong that your legacy's already ruined. Maybe tonight you're thinking, man, why are we talking about this tonight? And see, what we need to understand is that our, if you're breathing in this room and alive, your legacy is still in the process of being written now, in this moment. And so we're leaving a legacy. The school that you went to, right? Some of you have graduated, have moved on, but the school that you left, you left a legacy there. The teachers you talked to, the friends you made, the things you did, the things you didn't do, left a legacy. Maybe the first job you had, my first official job, other than mowing lawns, was Target. You know, I met friends there and people there and put things on shelves just so people could come knock them down and I could just do it again, repeat that 4,000 times. That was my first job, but the people I met there, I left Target a long time ago to work here, which has been pretty great. Um, <laughs> but I left a mark there. Your first job, your second job, what you're going to do, this church that you're in, the community group you're in or not in, we've all have left a legacy. And then one day, at the end of our life, 
You know, after we maybe have married someone and we've, we've married into a family and we've, we have a family of our own and, and we become old and we leave a legacy and we leave this earth and we go to spend time with our Heavenly Father and then we leave our final legacy in this world. And we need to realize and be reminded, should I say, daily that this is important, that this is still happening. We need to understand that your life matters. Your life matters here tonight. Maybe you walked in and you didn't think so. Your life matters. You matter. You're here for a reason. You have the ability, I don't care how young, I don't care how old. I don't care if that, that little baby over there, she's so cute, look at her. So can make an impact in this world. I just had a tire in, man, it was cute. We can make a huge impact. And, and here's the thing, guys. I think we can all agree that we need this more than ever in our world today. I mean, just, just uh, you can't even go on your phone without the news app just talking about another sex scandal. You know, Hollywood is falling apart, which is so funny. Because these are the people we look at. They, they have good looks. They have the money. They have the fame. They have the recognition. They have everything our world lusts and chases after. And yet it's deteriorating. And we're finally starting to see, unfortunately, for what it is. We're seeing mass shootings and hate and anger. This is a selfie generation. The word selfie is now in the dictionary, right? And, and I think that the focus on ourselves and the focus on our freedoms and the focus on what we deserve and the joy that we get leads to ultimate destruction. We've abandoned as a nation our Christian principles of love thy neighbor, right? See, it's easy for us to deny God in our culture than it is to acknowledge him because when we acknowledge him, a lot more comes with that. But we're seeing the fruit of that in our world. Isn't that, just turn on the news, right? Our world's in constant need of love. But not just any love. Not just a love like, like that we give. Like I, I can love someone to get, right? I can love someone selfishly, but Christ loved us while we were his enemies and died for us. So we need a love that's beyond our world. And we need someone to fuel our legacy that we are writing today. We need something beyond this world. Isn't that true? But the problem, the problem that we have is that you and I, and this is so true, we can let our lives pass by, right? At any given moment, at any given stage of our life, we can just let it pass by because we think, you know what, this isn't adding up. I don't have anything to give right now. And we waste, in a sense, where God has us in that moment. When I was in Target, right, I had two years there. I didn't know I had two years there when I started, but I had such a small amount of time there. Man, did I, I have to think back. I have to be fair. Did I use every opportunity that God gave me? I don't know. And, and for us here tonight, at every stage where God puts us, it's easy for you and I to let it pass us by. And the moments that we are living now are important. The kindness we give, the kindness we don't give, we know and see Christ and we allow him to empower our life to love others, right? Or if we don't do that, that all plays into the legacy that we will have for later. And see, what's at stake here tonight is this, is that so often our comfort or our fear and unbelief 
disqualify us from experiencing the true life God wants us to give, God wants to give us now, but also the life that he wants to live through us and the legacy he wants us to leave. Because the truth is, whether we like it or not here tonight, we will leave a legacy. The question is, what type of legacy do you want to live? Leave. And so we're going to be talking about the Israelites here tonight. And in these scriptures, we're going to see a few factors, I think, that still are true in today, 2017. Things that we still see, the reasons why we experience failed legacies or, or tough situations, I think we're going to see some things in, these t- in this text that we could just kind of dig up and talk about here tonight. So some background on these verses. We're going to be in Numbers 14, but some background first. In 1446 B.C., God sent Moses and Aaron to free the Israelite people from Egypt. Israelite people were enslaved for 400 years in Egypt. So they're praying, they're asking God, hey, free us. God sends sends Moses and Aaron to go and free them. So they freeze the people. About a year later, they're in the wilderness, they're given the law, all these cool things happen. And, and, And one year later, they find themselves Coming through the desert, God has given them the promised land. He's saying, he brings them to the land of Canaan. This was an evil nation that God was saying, look, I want you to take this over. It's going to be yours. The only thing is they had to fight for it. So they sent 12 spies to go into the land for 40 days. They're in there for 40 days, spying out the land, looking at, you know, tactically what they would have to do. And when they come back after the 40 days, 10 out of the 12 spies are freaked out. They, go, they, they give a report back to the people, one that says, we're going to be crushed, we can't do this, God is not going to be able to, we're not going to be able to overcome these people. Two of them, two of the spies are, are saying, look, it, this will work, like let's trust God, and it creates all of this tension, and this is where you and I jump in to the story in Numbers 14, chapter, uh, verse 1. Then all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. All the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in the wilderness. And so the nation, they lost all hope. They began to believe that it would be better for them to die than to move forward. Verse 3 continues. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? So they're just saying, why would God bring us this far for us to be killed here? They, they, they're just freaking out. Our wives and our little ones will become plunder. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to, to one another, let us appoint a leader and return to Egypt. So here tonight, maybe you're saying, okay, that makes sense. You know, they're, they're, they're going through the wilderness, they... They, they see this huge nation that they're supposed to conquer. That could conjure up some fear, right? And for you and I, maybe we, we would say, yeah, that would make sense. That would make sense they would be afraid. But we need to kind of look at the context a little bit deeper because this is ridiculous. Because one year prior, they were slaves. They were in Egypt. And they're asking God, free us. And God sends Moses and Aaron. Moses and Aaron, they go up to Pharaoh and they say, Pharaoh, you're going to free our people. And then he says no, and it goes back and forth. And if you know the story, there's, there's the ten plagues. And the coolest thing about the ten plagues is that each plague was very specific to tearing down an Egyptian god. 
That, that out of the ten plagues, because the Egyptians were polytheistic, they believed in multiple gods, the, out of these ten plagues that God did, it, it deteriorated the major gods of Egypt. So God specifically is showing the Israelites that he is stronger than, more powerful than these gods that these Egyptian people serve. Moses himself, I'm sorry, the Pharaoh himself was considered a god. And he was brought to his knees. And so all of these things happen. The people are freed. What happens? They go running to the edge of the Red Sea and they're stuck. They see it. They're like, no, we're going to die. You know, they start doing the same thing. Oh, we're going to die. God brought us out here. What the heck? They turn around. They see Pharaoh's armies coming. Pharaoh just could not get his mind straight. He's coming to attack. What does Moses do? He goes, quiet, guys. Stands. God gives him the grace. God parts the Red Sea. They, I mean, just, just stop for a second. I know maybe you've heard this story. Some of you gone to Christian school. You're like, yeah, I heard the story a thousand times. Just picture yourself standing on the water's edge. You're freaked out. There's people behind you that will probably look to kill you. And all of a sudden, you just see these, this water parting in front of you. It's something like you would see in Stranger Things. Like, wow. Bob was just too cool with everything that happened. Let's just go ahead and talk about that at first. He's just like, oh, yeah, everything's weird. Cool, let's do this, you know. Anyway, if you didn't know what I'm talking about, don't worry. Um, but just seeing the ocean part, and they, they, they go through it, and we fast forward a little bit more. You know, Pharaoh's armies come. They're, they're, they're crossing too. They're just like Bob. They're going for it, you know. And Moses closes the water, but God closes the water using Moses. And, and the Egyptian army is defeated, and these people are freed. Not even to mention the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud that is guiding them day and night. And so these people see God in action. They see a physical manifestation of his presence every single day, and yet they are freaking out. And our culture says stuff like, oh man, like seeing is believing. But as we start reading these scriptures, we begin to see that something is a little bit more powerful than that. Because these Israelites, they saw God, and yet they doubted. And what is that? But the Israelites were defined by fear. That their fear pushed them into unbelief. And that fear caused them to ultimately give up their inheritance. Their fear overrode their faith. And why? Because all they knew was slavery, right? And so when the road of freedom got a little hard, got difficult, became a little unpredictable. They wanted to return to what was familiar. Like they said, hey, let's go back to Egypt. Well, I'm sorry, hold on, let's time out. Let's go back to being slaves? But when you were slaves, you wanted to be free. But now that you're free, you want to be a slave. And that kind of thinking, if we're honest, we can see that kind of sometimes in ourselves when we pray to be free or we want to get out of something, we find ourselves in something else, but then we want to go back to what is familiar. Their emotions betrayed the very truth that they believed with their hearts and even saw with their eyes. And that, that truth being that God can show up, that God can provide, and that God will get them through. They let their legacy be controlled by fear. And so often, isn't this true? But we can kind of do the same. And so, summary of the next couple of verses, the people rebel against God, 
They try to kill Moses and Aaron. I mean, yeah, that's a good idea, right? Let's just kill the guys that have been leading us. So they, tr- they try to stone him with stones. God intervenes. God's upset. I mean, God reminds Moses that these people tested them ten times. So it's not like, like God has like a short fuse where he's like, okay, these people don't believe in me. I'm not giving them anything. God put up with this ten times. He reminds Moses that. Like, you know, these people have been doing this relentlessly since I freed them. And so God, who's a loving God, doesn't want us to live in our unbelief, doesn't want us to live in our fear. So he has to discipline the people. And so him and Moses, they come to an agreement where he will let the people live, but he will exile them to the desert. And in the next set of verses here, we're going to skip to 31, Numbers 14, 31. He says this, But your little ones, who you said would become a prey, I will bring in, and they shall know the land you have rejected. So the adults of this nation were like, our kids will be prey, they will be taken, they'll be plunder. And now, so what God is saying is, your little ones, I'm going to give the inheritance to them, and they shall know the land you have rejected, verse 32. But as for you, your dead bodies shall fall in the wilderness, and your children shall be shepherds in the wilderness 40 years, and shall suffer for your faithlessness until the last of your dead bodies lies in the wilderness. Definitely going to stitch that on a pillow. That is a great verse, right? No, that's, that's kind of scary, but here's, here's what happened. God told the adults, he said, look, you guys aren't getting the inheritance. I'm going to wait till your generation dies off before I bring my people into the promised land. So God's not slaying them in the desert. He just kind of lets the, the main grouping of the people just kind of move on, and he waits for the adults to die off so the children can get the inheritance. But the legacy that these people, adults left their kids was that they had to be in the desert for 40 years they left a legacy controlled by fear mistrust and unfaithfulness and here's where you and i begin to see what the problem is and see i wish that this was the only example in the bible or even the world of someone just like having an awesome legacy an awesome future and that they just threw it away right and even as I talk, maybe you're thinking of culture, you're thinking of a friend or a family member who things were going so well for them, but they just threw it away. I wish that this was the only example that we find in life of someone forfeiting their legacy. But the rampant problem that we have in our lives, in our, sometimes in our churches, but mostly in our culture, is that we let our lack of faith and our fear drive us instead and, and we're going to get afraid. This stuff happens, right? But I think many of us, we, we believe lies. We be, believe the lies like, I don't have anything to offer. You know what? God doesn't really love me anymore. I, I messed up too much or I, I'm just too broken. I, I can't do anything. We begin to believe the lies that maybe culture gives us. Oh, God's not real. Why are you wasting your time following him? Why are you, you following a set of rules and, and all the things that comes with that? We begin to, to believe those lies, and then those lies dictate our whole life. And our culture, sadly, is not far off from the Israelites. Faithless and fearful. But what happens? Time goes on. God brings his people. He gets them together. And when... The, when Historically, everything was in line. Everything was working. He sends Jesus to come and to die for my sin and for your sin. He lived the perfect life. He took the cross. 
And what was his legacy? What did he leave? But he left us a legacy of salvation and freedom. He gave us the Holy Spirit, which is the greatest gift. That is a gift that when we receive Christ into our life, he says that the Holy Spirit will come upon us and empower us. Nothing weird, but something powerful. Supernatural. God working inside us. And so Jesus came, he died, he broke our chains. We have the Holy Spirit, those of us who have accepted him into our life. But here's the thing. So why are we still forfeiting the good that God wants to give us today? Could it be that we are just so concerned with our comfort? Maybe we've accepted Jesus, we're a Christian. You know, if I'd be like, who's a Christian? You'd be like, I am, you know, got the, I got the, you know, Camper of the week, sweatshirt from when I grew up, you know, like I went to Christian school and all the Bible verses, you know, you would kind of raise your hand. But yet, but yet we still are crippled by the unknown. But yet we still struggle and and, and that's okay. Hey, God's with us. There's grace for that. But we run back to that old relationship. We, we run to what feels safe. We, we take the, the, the responsible job. We, we don't open up to those around us because that can get messy. We kind of follow the crowd. We, we, we stay unknown. We take the road frequently traveled. Why is that? Because it's known. It, it, it feels safe. And tonight, if you're not a Christian, maybe you too have experienced just being afraid. And that's totally fine, man. But maybe you too have, have played it safe and, and you've missed out on something great. But tonight, as we collectively trust God, push the lies to the side, I wonder what things would look like there's a quote up on the screen that says that no lasting legacy was ever created by someone who was playing it safe. No lasting legacy was ever created by someone who was playing it safe. Guys, the movies that we watch are entertaining. Why? Because the main character goes out and conquers, right? Last night, my wife and I, we saw, uh, it's still fun to say, my wife and I, this is like an adult thing to say, I was married in May, if you're wondering, okay. But we saw um, Thor, and here's the thing about Thor, like, the reason why it was a movie, it wasn't like, oh, man, she crushed my hammer. I'm going to go home. I'm afraid. Like, I'm going to play it safe because, you know, she, she might kill me. And so, and, and the rest of the movie was just him, like, chilling out, like, playing video games. Like, you know, like, hey, what's up, guys? Hey, Derek, what's up, man? You know, like, like that wouldn't be a good movie. And the things that we love to watch, the, the stories we love to hear about, we love to hear comeback stories. We love to see the story of, of the, the, the son who's running and breaks his leg and the father comes down and then walks with his son across the finish line. We're like, yes! He shouldn't have ran to begin with. What if that guy never ran to begin with? We wouldn't have been inspired, you know? Because no lasting legacy was ever created by someone who was playing it safe. If we let it, our lives, we try to be safe, let fear lead us, we, like the Israelites, we're going to miss out on the true life that God wants to give us. So, 
2000, uh, sorry, October 5th, 2004. Uh, I love, I did this in the green room. I said, how many of you were born yet, weren't born? A few kids raised their hand. It's funny. But October 5th, 2004 was the first time I walked in this room. And uh, my youth pastor at the time brought me in to see a show. And um, I remember walking in, looking around, be like, wow, this is cool. And, you know, I all of a sudden turn around, see the cute girl that I went to camp with. I'm like, okay, wow, this is great. And all of a sudden these, these people start coming up and I start talking to some of the youth. And they're like, hey, yeah, you should come to our youth group. Friday night. Okay. What's the, the green room? The green room. Is it the room green? No. Cute girl going to be there? Yeah, I'm coming. <laughs> So I remember going to the green room, and the green room met in the basement back then. Uh, Doug was in charge of the green room, and uh, Joey, uh, m- who our youth pastor, he must have weighed like 95 pounds. Like, you know, it was just like, we were all young. There were different leaders, different songs, even just different environment downstairs, but, but same God. I can't remember if it was my first green room or a second green room, but I remember standing there during the worship time. I remember Paul Firth, where's Paul? There he is, Paul Firth. Paul Firth was just, was, I, I just remember looking over, this one of the kids I knew, and he was just worshiping, you know, and hands raised. And if you're kind of like, what does that mean? Um, kind of like a little child would reach out to their father to be picked up. You know, it's a symbolic way of how we worship God. And so I see all these kids passionately worshiping Jesus. And I grew up in the church, and I, and I remember thinking, like, oh, you know, I'm a Christian. But I, I was looking at these kids, and I was saying to myself, man, I mean, these guys have something I don't have. It seems like that, that the faith that they have is just a little bit, a lot more than mine. It, it seems like they're, they're grasping a God that's bigger than the one that I'm grasping in my mind. And I remember just saying, I want that. And that led to the beginning of just my life being changed in this place. And fast forward a ton of years, I met amazing people. Uh, Doug let me go on the band. I don't know why. Uh, then one day I just walked up to him and said, hey, you think I can intern here? He said, yes. I don't know. It was just awesome how it all came together. And I went to school for stuff and graduated and, and now I'm on staff and I'm leading community groups. I, I met my wife I, right over there. We're actually where Paul's sitting. I t- <laughs> hey, man, you're, it's pretty cool. Uh, I was like, hey, I like you to Steph. And Steph's like, I gotta go. <laughs> uh uh-huh. But, sweet justice, we had our uh, wedding rehearsal right here. Okay. So, you know, and all of these things happened. And I have to think. What if Doug played it safe? What if he let fear drive him? Because Green Room started with six kids. And they were playing games in a basement. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I don't know if that's going to support my wife. I, all these different things could go through. I said, what if he played it safe? What if Pastor Bavone, who started this church in his living room, said, you know what? I, I don't think this is going to do anything. I don't think this will leave a lasting impact. We all wouldn't be here. I see some of you have been coming for a short time, but some of you can't even imagine what your life would be like if it wasn't for this church and let the glory and glory alone go to God we are all here because of the faithfulness of those who came before us we stand on their shoulders their faithfulness God used to empower them but now to empower us And here's what I want us to grasp here tonight. 
you guys can be that too. You can be that too. Read this with me, 2 Timothy 1, 7. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of what? But of power and of love and self-control. And this is available to all. You could be the most talentless person in this room. You could have nothing to offer, but if you say yes to Jesus, you let him fill your life, you let him empower you, you could be the most successful person in anyone's life. Our culture is all about the big things. We live in this big culture. If something's not huge, it's not going to make a difference. But you know what? I can imagine what Pastor Ravone would have thought when he had maybe 10 people in his living room. This isn't going to turn into anything. But when we're faithful with the little events in our lives, with the little things, they lead to the huge things. And so often, you and I, we, we believe the lies of the enemy. Like the Israelites, we can become fearful. And we can say, this won't do anything. This won't add up. But it does. And I believe tonight, the reasons why we're bombarded with so much lies and media is one of the greatest outlets of communication, but it's also one of the greatest outlets the devil uses to crush you and I and, our, and discourage us, is that the devil is fearful of someone who would stand up and say, God, use me. And tonight, you don't need a Bible degree. You don't even need to know much about the Bible for God to use you. You don't need to be able to talk well. You don't need to have it all together. God uses the broken. He comes to earth. He picks his disciples. And they're like the rejects of society. They're the ones that, the, that, the, that the, they were cast aside. They weren't good enough to become, even be followed by a rabbi. Or for them to follow a rabbi, should I say. They're all knuckleheads, like you and me. But God uses them. And so Jesus dies. He pays for our sins. He left a legacy of salvation, of forgiveness, and freedom. And the question is, do we live in that tonight? Not do we believe that. I mean, let us believe it, yes. But do we then live in it? God is offering you and I a promised land living. So don't let fear and unbelief take it from you. So what I want us to get here today is this, is that your legacy begins with today. So let God write your legacy. That your legacy begins with today. Not what happened a long time ago. Not what you're going to do when you're grown up. Not what you're going to do when you're, you get yourself together. No, your legacy starts right now. And so let God write your right legacy. So as we wrap up here tonight, the question is what will your legacy be? It's going to be one of fear, be one of faith and salvation. And what I want us to know is that just, there's just three things here. I want you to know that in the hands of God, that you are an unstoppable force of good. That when you submit your life to him, you say, God, I'm messed up, but I accept your gift, and I know you can use me, and I know you can push me forward, that I can, you could be a force of good. Which leads us to the second point. Don't count yourself out, but count yourself in. Don't count yourself out. So many of us do that. The devil just steals what God wants to do in your life and in mine. 
three, seek God, get to know his love. Maybe for the first time here tonight, or maybe you've been at this for 50 plus years, but let his love guide you. So many of us, we've heard that, but sometimes it's just easy to hear but not let it seep in. So tonight, let his love guide you. And I just want to talk to the people here tonight that maybe you've you kind of feel like, Andrew, this is great. Like, I changed the world. Okay, cool, peace, right? But I, I've sinned too much, man. I, I've strayed from God. I've ran off, and, and I haven't been following him. And I want you to know that God loves you. God loves you, man. He knew you'd mess up. He knew you were going to stray. See, the faithfulness that we're not we need not to be concerned with is our own as much as we need to be faithless, concerned about God's faithfulness because when we're focused on his faithfulness towards us, it's only then we're empowered to be faithful. And so tonight, know that he loves you. There is, you can't outsin the grace that God wants to give you and when you do that, he will change your life and give you the grace to overcome. You ever hear the quote, it's not how you start? It's how you finish. God can forgive your past. God has forgiven your past, but maybe for the person that needs it here tonight, maybe now it's your turn to forgive yourself and let him lead you and guide you. See, God wants to use this generation to impact the next What will in 10, 15 years from now people be saying about us? I mean, I believe tonight with all my heart that when we just just get up and go and we let God guide us and we seek him with all that we are, when we stop counting ourselves out, that he will change this because it's never too late for God to write your legacy. So what I want to leave us with one more time is this. Your legacy begins with today. So let God write your legacy. Would you guys pray with me for one last time here tonight? Jesus, I thank you that you use, as it says in Corinthians, you use the foolish things of the world to shame the wisdom of the wise. Use the thing that the world would look at and laugh at and say, there's no way that can turn into anything, and then it does. You are a God of multiplication. You are a God that takes broken things and uses them to make a difference. And I pray tonight for those people in this room that have counted themselves out time and time again, thought there would be no force of good, thought that there would be nothing In the eyes of this world, God, but thank you that in the arms of God they can move mountains and not be defined by what anyone says about them other than you. And tonight, God, we want to believe your word. We don't want to live like the Israelites and trade in what you have for us because we're afraid or we're worried about our comfort. But God, we want to see you just do the impossible in our lives. We don't want to be selfish with them anymore because in that we're miserable. Anytime we make anything about ourselves, God, we become so miserable. And so, Jesus, tonight I pray that you would break down the walls of belief that we can only do so much. I pray, God, that you would show us 
in our own way what legacy you want us to leave. But most importantly, that we would just enter into the legacy of what your son has done for us. That all of our sins are forgiven. That in him we can find healing. We can find peace. We can find a home. And that we may take all of those things and spread it to a hurting, distorted world. God, we're not here to judge the world. We're not here to point the finger. We're here to love and send your love into it, God. None of us is better than anyone. We are just sinners redeemed. I pray, God, that we would live in that love. I pray you'd break our stony hearts here tonight and that you would remind us, God, that you are with us and that you are the one who writes our legacy. And when that happens, when we live on purpose, amazing things happen. And so, God, we just thank you. We just pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen.